Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Revenge, the next person to cut me off in traffic is going to get a hot slice of foot-in-the-ass pizza. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by El Amo Bandito. Find all your ammo needs at any of our 321 vending machines in Rapture. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is a podcast where we like to break apart, tease out the underlying structures of movies as uh, filmmakers, as actors. Um, One of us is a producer. I begrudgingly wear a producer hat from time to time. Only when you have to, right? Only when I'm absolutely forced, which is usually more often than not. Yeah. It's one of those things where... It's a budget thing. Yeah. If you don't have people getting paid, they usually just don't give a shit. Right. That's... Unfortunately, Which is how hilarious because they're going to spend some money and yeah. it's like, yeah. Gosh. And so I usually end up having to do a lot of that legwork, but it's all fun still to some extent because that's also how you get exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so if there was this magic mythical place in the clouds where I could get what I want without having to do all <laughs> the sweat labor, the sweat equity, as they say, uh, that would be, yeah. that would be magical. If someone tried to, well, someone is tapping me, a friend of ours, of mine is getting her degree. She, she graduated NYU or Columbia and now she's at USC film school and she's doing her thesis film and she's going to shoot it here in Austin. And she tapped me for local resources on, Hey, if you know people, um, you could connect me with, uh, I'd love to have you as an assistant producer. And I was like, Hey, I'm Look, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to help. I'm just going to let you know something right away. <laughs> yeah. There's certain things yeah. that you're just going to not gonna have me doing. I'm yeah. just not going to do it. Yeah. Like that's scouting and securing locations and paperwork, all that stuff. Like I'll, I'll play connect, you know, matchmaker. I'm more than happy to do that because that's just Rolodexing kind of stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm super happy because she's a really old friend of mine and I really want to help. But to some degree, you're just also like, man, I know where my limitations are and it's not going to benefit anybody yeah. to have me in a position where I'm getting stressed out and I'm stressing out everyone else. <laughs> like that's, yeah, no, that's not. it's so funny because um, I was just actually talking about this with a, a coworker of mine, another producer, just saying how <sighs> film is so it's finicky is not the right word. It, it's it's targeted. Mm-hmm. OK, and it, what I mean by that is you know, you go and you watch him, watch a film and you might know a lot of people worked on that, but knowing a lot of people worked on that and knowing in what capacity are two very different things. You know, you have an AC who is, you know, assistant camera guy, right? He's the guy who's going to, he's going to like grab the lenses and just make sure that you're at the right F stop and, and all those things. Pull right. Focus. Like, well, not always. That's my, that's a my first point. AC. Oh, sure. You know, cause, cause then, first AC, second then AC. It, depending on the budget, Clock you're going to have, loader. Yeah. yeah, you're going to have a guy, you know, a, a second AC who might be the, the guy who's going to roll focus or it might be a guy who's going to do slate or it might be, you know, another guy who's going to handle like a second camera to be ready to switch out. Like, you know, like there's so many, and, but that's all they do. Yeah. A focus puller. Yeah. Normally, you know, from what I understand at this point, uh, first AC is usually going to be your focus puller. And then your second AC right. will tend to be, if you, like you said, if you can if, afford if them, all you have is one is a first AC, then yes, yeah, that's what they're going to do. He's going to do it. But if you have a second AC, then it's nice. Cause now you have someone to check lenses, check the gate. If you're shooting on film, mm-hmm. um, clean, making sure there's no smudges on your lenses. Like that's, right. that's a thing. That's the last thing you want is to have a 
<laughs> get in post and realize, yeah, who was our second AC? Right. And the thing, <laughs> and it's like, and the thing is, you know, it always depends on the budget. You yeah. know, if you have, you know, $10,000, then you're, you know, you're going to have, I mean, to us, that's a lot of money, but, yeah. Yeah. but if you have $10,000, you're not going to make something that's going to, that where a second AC, you, you might not have a second AC yeah. who's going to find the smudges on the, on the lenses or, or something, you know, but if you have a million dollar budget, you're going to have all of those roles and those things are going to, those boxes are going to get checked, right? All yeah. those things will happen. You're not going to get into post and, and see, oh, damn it. I didn't see this in the frame. You know, we're going to have to paint that out. We don't have the budget for it. And here I go, YouTube videos trying to figure out how to do that. You know, <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, I, I just, yeah, like, sometimes it really tiny roles for everybody. Really. Yeah, it, it sometimes is a lot of duct tape. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of putting times, it all together. You like it's yeah. so funny. Certain films you watch, even something like what we're doing today, John Wick Three. You look and you see all these really nice suits, and you're like, man, these are really upscale people. When those are probably like thirty, forty dollars suits on some of these guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, not yeah. probably John Wick himself. He's probably got some crazy nice suit, but yeah, a lot of these secondary actors are like budget you know what do we have <laughs> yep and they're in the third one so maybe they're able to afford some of these nicer things but maybe in the first one it's like hey do you have any suits i remember reading this article about sex in the city and uh, one of the guys in there was like a lot of the times i'm wearing my own suits like <laughs> because i have to wear so many sometimes they run out of suits and they're like hey do you have a suit you can bring to set today it's <laughs> <That's> funny so <laughs> i'm like crap that's uh, hbo man <laughs> yeah i know dang so it is you can't a lot find of- another suit <laughs> jeez <laughs> So sometimes it is a lot of duct tape and sweat and spit and glue and yeah. sticking it all together MacGyver style. Which uh, honestly, I just love. There's something endearing about it if you do it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you have talented people that know how to do it and you're doing it that way, it's so much more rewarding. Yeah. So. John Wick 3. By the way, speaking of, we have spoilers galore. So if you have not seen John Wick 3, which many of you might not, although it did kick off uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, finally. I think like it's second or it's first week that oh, it opened. Oh, did it really? Yeah, it was the thing. I mean, obviously. So by now everyone almost has seen it. Well, yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, see a it. lot of people have seen it. Yeah, exactly. So if you have not seen it, please pause the, the episode, go watch it and come back because we're going to be talking about a lot of lot of detail in it and give away a lot of stuff. Heck yeah, we're going to talk about world building, fighting, of course. This is a fight-centered movie. Um, and we're also going to have an interview with the illustrious Aaron Alexander, who is an actor, yeah. he's a stuntman and fight choreographer. So we're going to get uh, a lot of input and we have questions for him. And trust me, if anyone's got answers, it's Aaron freaking Alexander. Yeah, man. And many of the other things will be discussed as well. Awesome. Great. So a uh, quick synopsis of the film. Super assassin John Wick is on the run after killing a member of the International Assassins Guild. And with a $14 million price tag on his head, he is the target of hitmen and women everywhere. Directed by Chad Stahelski, written by Derek Kolstad, Shay Hatton, Chris Collins, and Mark Abrams. Cinematography by Dan Lostin. Lostison? Lostison? Yeah. Uh, featuring Keanu Reeves as John Wick, Ian McShane as Winston, Halle Berry as Sophia, Lawrence Fishburne as the Bowery King, Mark Dacascos as Zero, Asia Kate Dillon as the Adjudicator, and Lance Reddick as Charon. Ron Charon. Charon. You have no idea what's coming. Mr. Wick broke the rules. 
trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Good to see you too. I need your help. After this, we are less than even. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. Would you help set the mood for our new guest? Let us begin. Our services still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. You think you can take John Wick? You've got a nasty surprise coming. Yeah. So... Holy crap. So I assume you've seen John Wick and John Wick 2. Yes. Um, before this. Yeah. Big fan? Big fan. <laughs> big fan. Yeah. I mean, anything Keanu Reeves does, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, even the rom-coms. I don't care. Same. No, yeah. I love Lake House and yeah. uh, Sweet November. Like, I like all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of John Wick 3? Um, so it was, I loved it. Let me start off by saying I Yeah, I you were it. hesitating. I'm like, Yeah, really? it, it checked all the boxes of what it needed to be. For sure. And, you know, I liked the villain, villains. I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm John Wicked out, you know? I, it's it's like everybody shoots a lot and he hits everyone, no one hits him. Um, so, I mean, I guess he does get hit, but it does, it, it was not as badass to me as the second one. Interesting. You know, I mean, the first one obviously is just crazy badass because it's the first time we're introduced to it. The second one, there's a lot of pressure on it because the first one is just so badass. Um, And I think the second one held up with it. But the third one just kind of, it did not fall flat. Let me be clear. I left loving it and and I had a great time. I just, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, like some, if you, if you take a bite of something and you think, and you think, I don't know if I like this. And then all of a sudden flavors start hitting mm. or they fall off, you know, yeah. where, whereas it was a burst of flavor and then there's like nothing or like the palate changes. It kind of felt a little like that for me. I walked out of the theater, like reeling. I loved it. And then as it sat with me a little bit, I kind of, it just got a little bit stale. And by a little bit, I don't mean I wouldn't want to watch it again. Were there certain parts that felt more stale than others? Yeah. I wasn't really, cr- and it's hard to explain because I'm not a choreographer, a fight choreographer, right? So I, you know, I'm, I'm just watching this stuff as like a viewer and I'm not thinking what went into it. I'm not thinking, um, uh, the training and, and all that stuff. I'm literally just watching it and how I feel is how I feel. Uh, but like the, the ending fight scene with the, the bad guy, uh, zero with zero. Yeah. It wasn't, um, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe there was just for me, maybe there's just a little too much humor mm. in that. It wasn't as heavy. That fight scene wasn't as heavy. I mean, the way that, that John wick wins yeah. is fantastic yeah. and I loved it. And it was, it was almost like he was being gracious, which he, he really is. He's yeah. like a gracious 
murderer when he needs to be when yeah. he needs to be yes yeah. yes um so it definitely held up for his character and everything i don't think i really just kind of resonated with zero's character i th- felt like he was it was a, just a little too you know it's tricky developing a really good boss yeah um, i mean i enjoyed him uh, mm. one of the i think the biggest thing you need to have is some kind of personality wherever that personality comes from can be a wide range of things because without a personality, they can just be any other henchman. And so you you have to have something that makes them stand apart to say, Oh, this guy's special. And so we're going to give this guy status. And so he's a trainer, right? He teaches these other underlings and, um, he has this faux personality, right? Where he's doing sushi and he has the accent. And then whenever the adjudicator steps in he drops the accent, he's like, okay, what do we got to do? I'm, you know, I, I've served, I will be of service or whatever it is. They yeah, say. Right, right. Um, and then of course, every good, bad guy has a specialty and for him, it's the blades. And, uh, that's of course, because he's, you know, he makes sushi. And so that kind of ties into all a good memory of who this guy is. And then they added in a little bit of humor in the middle, which I liked a lot. Um, it was weird at first. And then I warmed up to it. The whole, you know, he seats himself right next that to I John loved. I loved that. It was like, he was a fanboy. He's yeah. a fan of this guy. And then he looks at him and then, yeah, he starts fanboying out. Yeah. Um, and that makes for a really strong presence because before that moment, he was kind of like every other bad guy. Mm-hmm. You're just like, okay, you're just another someone who's about to get his ass whipped and got saved by the bell. Um, you don't know it, but the reality yeah. is, yeah. um, and then from that moment on, he becomes more and more important. And so developing a good boss, because you also have to think in terms of this is the third film of probably four, um, I'm assuming. Yeah. And oh yeah, it's definitely the next one. You don't want him to feel the same as whoever you had in two and mm-hmm. whoever you had in one. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly... And I think the taste analogy is really good because uh, you're you're trying to hit different parts of the palate with each, with each one of these. The first one, you know, the bad guy was he was more or less just annoying. <laughs> yeah, we very. just hated him, and we we felt conflict based on the relationships involved and blah blah blah. But then, you know, I don't even remember who the second one. Oh yeah, I do yeah. vaguely. Uh, I've only seen the first two once, and it's been like almost a month since we've seen Jack, John Wick three. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to jog my memory a little bit here, but you're constantly figuring out how does it, how do we develop a good memorable boss so that we can have a good memorable boss fight. Right. Cause otherwise you're not going to get any tension out of the idea that John wick is fighting someone mm-hmm. and you need to make that victory. Isn't sweet. If you don't anticipate a little bit of, you know, sour or a little bit of loss as a potential outcome. And so by developing a really strong boss, now you can savor the victory and savor, oh, he got knocked down. Will he get back up? And then, of course, the sweet part of that victory for me was seeing John Wick learn from him because he was still teaching. He didn't know it. But he was still teaching and he learned from him and he started using his own tricks against him. Yep. And that's what ultimately gave him the victory. Yeah. So my question is, though, why give him humor? Because they also gave his henchmen that he fought before Zero, they gave them humor. They did, yeah, they did in a in a odd way, though, in right? In a fanboy way. In a fanboy way and they never speak. It's all right. gestures and yeah. uh, you get the sense of we're trying to be sportsmen. Yeah. We're not trying to just, you know, get a final blow in after everyone else has got their shots. Mm-hmm. Like we want, 
we want to go toe to toe. Like that was entertaining for yeah. me. Like, you know, cause you knew, okay, these are henchmen. He's going to beat them. Yeah. I'm, I, you although know. you start to wonder like how, yeah, yeah cause definitely. they're so good. Yeah. And the last thing you want is to feel like they're pulling their punches in order to give him the victory. Mm-hmm. And I will say production wise, I mean, all the glass, that like, set, my God, amazing, Beautiful. amazing. Yeah. I mean, they, they have a way of doing like in the second one with the mirrors and we're giving away, I don't know if he's whatever. Yeah. Spoilers for all the John Wicks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I should have probably said that at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so in, in the second one with all the, the room with all the mirrors, that was oh, pretty cool. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, at the end, that was pretty cool. This takes it for to another level. Cause not only is it reflective, but it's, it's see-through yeah. and it's breakable. Mirrors are kind of breakable, but not really because you don't know what's behind them. You can't see what's behind them. So it's like, you know, breaking it isn't the same as like, you know, a bad guy throwing him through the glass to another bad guy, you know, or something yeah. um, who happens to be behind the glass. But going back to the comedy for a second, like I get the comedy with the, the henchmen um, and it's endearing because they have this fanboy attitude towards John Wick. But then the main guy also has the fanboy attitude and he has comedy and it just felt like too much. Yeah. It felt like hat on top of a hat. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, uh, and the, to me, it felt like that zero was at times just trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Like the baddest ass bad guys don't even try and they're, they, you know, can wipe the floor with anybody right to where it's just impossible to think how John Wick could win. And I think that's yeah. fair. I think everything you're saying is absolutely fair. I think the justification from the filmmaking perspective would be without that, you don't believe he would show any mercy and John Wick would absolutely die. Cause by that time of the day, uh, the, the competition level, there's no way he would have just gotten smoked. But whenever you have someone who's, uh, fanboying, so maybe it would have served them a little bit better if the his underlings hadn't also been humor, and that way you just have a little more seriousness and dialed in. Because I just you know there's no way he can win this fight. Uh, yeah, if but it's you're just not. Up. But you're not watching it thinking he must be tired. I wasn't. I was. Okay, I was. I was like, I was, man, this guy's been going all day. Now he's got to go through these guys. Yeah, but if he went, if if the fight was even harder for him, or, or, okay, not if it was harder for John Wick, but if it looked like it was easier for Zero, mm-hmm. would that have changed it? Yeah. yeah. Because because all you do, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm excited to talk to Aaron about this, yeah. but all you do is you make his counters you make John Wick's counters to to Zero's attacks different. You change his counters. His counters are more instead of instead of physical, it's, it's more intelligent. Yes, he's more yeah. he's more and he was very intelligent in that fight. I'm not taking anything away from that. I loved whenever you broke out the belt with the twins. Yes, yes. I was like, oh this guy's getting he he's got to get an edge somewhere. And then yeah. he breaks out the belt, which they set up earlier whenever they made him take off the belt when he was going into uh-huh. uh, his old house or whatever. Yeah. And they were like the belt. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he has to take it off. No, I like, get it. What's he going to do with that belt? <laughs> John. <laughs> and so yeah, uh, seeing that kind of teased and fulfilled is, you know, always a good setup and payoff. Yeah. Um, but going yeah. into uh, the, just while we're on fighting, like I love the uh, the brutality of that very not the very first, like the second fight in the library, not the library, 
the next to the library, I guess, after he gets patched up from the library and he goes into that knife house, that gun shop or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And they're in the hallway with all the knives. Oh my gosh. That for me, that sat me up and I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. you have me. If nothing else is good in this movie, I'm happy. Yeah. Cause that was such an amazing section for a lot of reasons. It's so brutal and it's so satisfying to see people use knives and this, like we have bottomless knives. It's like they're at Olive Garden and it's bottomless <laughs> knives. <laughs> bottomless knives, right? <laughs> and what I love about it is people are hard to kill. And this is the thing that movies always get wrong uh-huh. is one shot to the head and they're unconscious. One bullet to the arm and they're dead and they're never getting back up. Yeah. One stab and they're done for the night. No, people don't die from one gunshot or one stabbing. And Bones are hard to break, and especially like the skull. Whenever he has that moment where he puts a uh-huh. knife through the guy's yeah. skull and he has to bash it a few times yeah. to get yeah. it in, that's real. Like that's it's really hard stuff. You know, that's there's a reason we evolved with these really hard skulls. Yeah, because that's an important part of our body, and it should be difficult to get through the chest and through some of these spaces. And they treat all of that with so much respect and thoughtfulness in a you know very brutal way um, but they don't just kind of say oh we're just going to throw 20 people at them no we're going to throw whatever five six people put it and, in a narrow corridor yeah and we're going to make them earn it yeah i love that um it's it, definitely my bet my yeah because it's just never stopping they keep yeah. having these great looks at each other like oh crap he's going for it me too and they break the glass and they start grabbing more knives and someone else comes in and now he's got to deal with that and it's he can only wound he can never really finish yeah um, right, he has right. to find his moments to finish a guy uh yes. <laughs> it's so good I'm going to take that out of context. Yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this. Uh, and so the other thing with the, the fight sequences is they stay wide much more than a lot of these other, like a Jason Bourne or something. Right. They do all these close-ups and shaky cam. Here they stay so much more wide to show us what's happening. There is actual skills on display here and we get to appreciate not only the skills but what's happening geographically in the room and that way when they reach for a weapon it makes sense in our mind's eyes not just oh now there's a weapon involved no that weapon we've seen it the whole time and now we're getting to see them use it these aren't just props they're props with a purpose um, and they're going to be integrated into the choreography which is freaking amazing but staying wide there's a downside to it because it also shows us when they're anticipating or indicating a blow or uh, John Wick, you know, especially in towards the end, whenever he's fighting the two twins, uh, you can see him anticipating and them anticipating a little bit. Those are those moments where as a, as a filmmaker, I would have wished for either an insert or a cutaway to a separate angle just to keep it a little tighter and make me feel like I'm not watching a choreography because those are the kind of moments that for me personally, it kind of takes me out. Yeah. You just kind of feel when someone is anticipating a moment and he gets there a little earlier time or two. Uh, in my opinion, the other thing, driving right past that uh, the other thing because there's so much to love about this movie yeah. um but the other scene that i really really loved because you never get to see this in action movies is the upgrades the bad guys oh, at yeah. the end get harder they give them armor and it's nice to see that not every henchman is stupid at least entirely stupid yeah, yeah. but it's great to challenge our hero you have to upgrade your skills too to match them on this new plateau or this new plane and that's amazing because People don't do that, right? We've seen stormtroopers knocked out with a punch to the face. Like, yeah. what was the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so to see them, and he has to respond to it, and they have to, 
you know, pull up the face mask or he shoots him under the, the helmet. That's freaking awesome. And it's yeah. genius. And it makes me feel like it grounds me into some kind of reality. Definitely. Oh, man, the, yeah, I loved that that <laughs> night scene, that dark scene. Oh, yeah, they walk back into the uh, <laughs> into the pit or the the, the vault. The vault. And he's like, "What do we got?" You know, <laughs> so good. And I, I do love how they brought in everybody, like how how everybody except Ian uh, McShane really it fights. Yeah, Winston is Winston. He's the man. Yeah, dude, I love <laughs> he it. A, he has I, a solid drink of bourbon. <laughs> yes, so good. Anyway, uh, let's get Aaron on the phone. Yes. Dial him in. And joining me right now is Aaron Alexander, who is an actor, an amazing actor, a stuntman, a fight choreographer, about a thousand other things. But I think that's mostly what you're focused on these days. And frankly, whenever I think about you, buddy, I'm, I'm thinking about how you're a dramatic actor who happens to do all these badass stunts. So welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming you've heard of John Wick and maybe even seen the third one. Uh, how did you, what did you think about it? Who? who? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, man. I, um, I am an avid fan of the, uh, the continuing wick saga as some people, some people call it. Um, I have, I have seen the third one. Um, I own the first two, so I definitely revisited those before I saw the third one. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the series. I'm a huge fan of Keanu Reeves. A lot of people are like, oh, Bill and Ted, but still to me, um, what was it? Uh, the Devil's Advocate to me yeah. was still his best, best ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> you don't, you're not like a, a Point Break fan? Oh, I am an FBI um, agent. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I, I'm like Point Break has its moments, but you know, like, it's like, like Wes said, I, I kind of enjoy like the intense, dramatic and i don't know i'm also it's kind of weird i'm I'm a bible baby so i love anything that throws religion messed up as possible and so like um I'm, i know i'm probably going to get death threats for this but i'm not a huge fan of johnny depp no I, i'm not either yeah <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's, that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, but, that's it, going uh, home. Uh, but no, to me, his best movie ever was Ninth Gate. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, But that's just like how messed up my mind is. And so I'm like, you know, anything that deals with like some like, you know, taking religion and spinning it and or just showing like, you know, the darker side of it. Yeah, um, stigmata, also, those kind of things. Like, yeah, Stigmata and like um, End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh, that's, yes. I, don't know, I love that movie. <laughs> oh, We're going down a, a trail here. I love it. So let me ask you this about yeah. John Wick. And is there a specific kind of fighting style they they tend to gravitate towards, or is it just kind of a hodgepodge of whatever feels good? And a, like, does John Wick have his own fighting style? Um, I mean, in the first movie. I guess you could say the first two movies, um, it was kind of, there was like an amalgamation of stuff, but I know he kind of centered around the action design team, 8711, who's out here in California. They centered around like judo and jujitsu and um, just seeing how that could be pushed forward into the prominency of his fighting style. And um, because I'm a nerd, if you remember in the third movie, spoilers if you haven't seen it, which you should have, 
there's a part where he's walking through, uh, I guess, his old stomping grounds, trying not to give too much away. And you see uh, uh, these younger guys training, and that's kind of like, you know, uh, like Russian Sambo and like, uh, well, there's also Chinese Sambo, but like there's um, Judo and stuff and like a bunch of dudes just throwing each other around. And so it's like, oh, they just gave us an insight to his background and why he's always chunking people around like they're ragdolls. And so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just know for a fact, 8711, they have a really, really intense judo and jujitsu culture that they instill in a lot of the people that train there. And um, obviously it works because a lot of people um, swear by jujitsu as just self-defense. And like, you know, I don't knock anything if, you know, you love it. Just don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easy. It, and it, yeah. And it's crazy because, I mean, I've done some Brazilian jiu-jitsu for, I don't know, six or seven months just out of curiosity and for fun and challenge myself in something new. And it is easy because as someone who doesn't know what they're doing, I'm stepping into the world of someone who does. And then it's really easy right. for me to take it too far because they're giving me uh, access over their body. And they're letting right. me put them into precarious situations. And so if I, as an ignorant newbie, don't know what I'm doing, then I can tear something in, you know, their elbow or their shoulder without very much pressure at yeah. all because it's all built around that. Yeah. And then if you're if you're training with someone who's letting you try these things out and you overstep your bounds, they're going to check you. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I guess I did something wrong. It's like, no, you did, you did something right. It's a learning experience completely. And, and so, um, just so but, you know, Aaron, you can't give anything away. We've already, we've already warned everybody about spoiler alerts. So you yeah. can f speak freely, my friend. Yeah. Um, but let okay. me, let me ask you this question. How in the script, going from script to choreography and to filming, how detailed in the script do the fight scenes tend to get? Does it change much? Does it evolve much? Or do they just say enough in the script to give you an idea? This guy wins, this guy loses, and then you figure it out, you know, in rehearsals? Or how does that tend to go in, in your opinion? Um, in my opinion and my experience, it's usually... Um Depending who, it, you know, on a bigger scale, it depends on like writers and the directors, um, ultimately sometimes the producers, what they want to convey to the audience and like what they want the overall experience to be. Um, but on a smaller scale, it usually, um, and it's, and I think you can like kind of look at the bigger, bigger movies and kind of put this little, I guess, outline on them of like touched upon it is it's like okay we know who the hero is you know who the bad guys are or the bad guy we know like already knowing the story from start to finish the hero's gonna win or the hero's gonna lose or the, the like whatever how you want to tell the story and so it comes down to what you want to show off and a tendency that i love is you want to show the hero as a badass but you also, depending on what fight this is and where it is set in the movie, if it's like in the beginning of the movie, you don't want him to show off his greatest stuff. You want to save that for the like final fight. It's towards the end of the movie. So you can have kind of like an incline of like just the wow factor. 
And so when you get that stuff set, then you start the choreography process. And then you also, like, while you're doing choreography, you know, again, on the bigger scale, even on the smaller scale, you got to know where the fight's taking place. You got to know, like, you know, is it a safe environment because you don't want anybody falling or anything on something that's, like, you know, going to be detrimental to their well-being. And um, once you get that stuff figured out, then it's just like, you know, have fun off to the races. But again, again, on like speaking on scale, you get to a bigger movie and like both of you guys can attest to this because you guys have worked on stuff before. And just like, you know, time becomes a factor. And so you have to be able to take what you've created that you spent, you know, a day, a week or months even training for building this whole sequence out. You got to be able to shave as much as possible if need be but still convey what you wanted to convey and so it's pretty crazy because a lot of people don't know that happens and like you know that's why you know you get deleted scenes blu-rays and stuff like that and like then you also get these sneak peeks that you know they'll drop hints while them before the movie comes out or after the movie's out i remember they uh it was for john wick too the coordinator he broke down the car fight in the taxi garage yeah, and so he was just letting everybody know, okay, right here was a green screen, right here was a, a dummy on a on a bike, right here was this and this and this and this, and um, all this right here, we actually did it in one take, but we figured that we needed to probably like, edit it that way, like it wasn't so super crazy and like, you know, just an onslaught of action, and so um, there's a, it's really cool, but also really crazy how much goes into a simple fight scene. And so, but yeah, but having that, okay, we can have this huge, crazy brawl, but when we get there, oh, we were supposed to have a 12 hour day, but now that day just got cut in half to six hours. Well, what can we lose to still make this cool? Okay, let's get it done. And then whenever you get to the point where it's just like, okay, and then, like, you know, you'll have people being like, I got uh, 30 minutes to lunch. It's like, crap. <laughs> okay, what can we get done before lunch? And then what can we do? What do we want to attack when we come back from lunch? And then it's just like, okay, let's get, let's get this, this one sequence down. Go to lunch. Let's talk about what we can scrap or what we can add on or what, and then come back after lunch and, like, just attack it so we all can get out of here. And by the end of the day, I feel like we actually still accomplished what we've, you know, worked so hard for, like we wanted to accomplish or like, you know, still like you, um, you know, like just in life, you know, you wake up, if you have something to do, you have a goal set for the end of the day. And then you still want, if you don't get to accomplish exactly what you wanted, you still want to end the day being like, did I still accomplish something to make me feel like I got closer to that goal? And so it's the same thing on a film set. It's like the same thing with like filming action, same thing, like doing a monologue. It's like, okay, I have a, I want to feel like this at the end of the monologue. I want the audience to feel like this at the end of the monologue. Do I think I accomplished that? If I didn't, did I get close? If I got close, yes, I'm still doing my job. And then, you know, it's up to the audience's interpretation. Like after the show, someone comes up to you and be like, oh, I loved it. Then you'd be like, okay, I at least connect with one person. Um, then a review could come out and then like the, whoever reviewed it could be like, that was crap. 
<laughs> but so, then you'd be like, you know, that person, he doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And so looking, I mean, if someone were to look through your, your IMDb, I mean, you've got some pretty badass uh, stats on there. Like you've obviously done Lucifer. That's one of your recent ones. I didn't know you were in Captain Marvel, though. I knew you were in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I, did you date play at Captain Marvel? What happened there, bro? So, so, so I can actually, like, talk about it now since it's <laughs> coming on Blu-ray. Um, so I, I just got this random text message one day from, uh, from a guy I worked with. I'm not going to mention his name, so don't worry about it. But I worked with him when I first moved out here, and he was just like, hey, man, what are you doing this day? And I'm like, I, I got nothing going on. And he's just like, you want to be in Captain Marvel? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, it's not going to be anything big. Don't worry. And I was just like, cool. He's like, just one day. And I was just like, hey, a day is all I need. I just yeah. like, you know, yeah. like, um, I'm I'm that weird guy. It's just like, you know, just get me on set. I don't care. <laughs> just like, I don't, I don't even have to get in front of the camera. As long as I'm on set, I'm, I'm in my ultimate happy place. Yeah. And basically that's what happened. Got on set, got a little bit of special effects makeup put on, not too much, not as much as some people. Some people had to get there like at four o'clock in the morning and start getting makeup on and just get there. But I got on set. They didn't use me whatsoever. It literally was like one of those situations I just talked about where it's just like, oh, we got like 30 minutes to lunch and then we're going to like address the situation and see what's going on. And then the coordinator came over and he was just like, okay, so we're going to see what we get done after we come from lunch, um, but we might not use you guys. And like it was several of us. And he's like, we might not use you guys. And was just like, cool, no worries. <laughs> it's yeah, like, I'm yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm here. Um, and uh, but I was still, I I got to, yeah. I got to be on set. I got to see Brie Larson and Jude Law do their thing. I got to see some of the other stunt doubles do do work and stuff. And it was the act. It was actually the first scene of the movie where they're training against each other. Oh yeah, yeah, Dope, yeah. Dang. Yeah. And so, um, hey, I'm envious. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Any day on set is a better day than at home oh yeah give it to me every time yeah my my wife my wife knows she's like i hope you get on a a set soon because you get kind of like pissy around the house (laughs) you gotta get out of here so i have uh one other question uh at least anyway but there was a thing that you you told me about a while ago that's kind of stuck in my brain ever since so normally, and I'll set it up for the, the listeners, normally when you shoot a scene, right, it's let's say uh, there's a scene at, at, at the park and there's two people talking. Well, you might establish a scene with the wide shot, and then, which is you know kind of a lower energy scene and uh, shot. Everyone's just kind of rolling, going through the paces a little bit. And then as you uh, get into the mediums and the two shots and then the single coverage, you know, the lighting gets closer, everyone, the camera gets closer, you're able to shape the light more in everyone's faces, and the emotions get more uh, pronounced the closer the camera gets to the performer. Um, and it's this whole simple process that goes, for mo- for the most part, not everyone shoots this way, but for the most part, it's going to be, we're going to get our master, we're going to get, you know, maybe a medium wide, we're going to get a medium, then we're going to get our singles. Uh, and then if we need to move around, we'll, we'll move around, we'll block it out. Um, as well. Mm-hmm. But I remember you telling me for fight choreography, there was this, I don't remember if it was Korean or a Japanese style, but you were saying that there's this style of shooting a, a, 
a fight sequence where it's like four moves and and then you advance to the next set of moves. You shoot four moves and then you it was like four moves, six moves, eight moves. I don't know, a thousand moves as fast as you are. Can you explain? Do you remember what I'm first of all even talking about? But uh, explain. I do, I do. I do. Yeah. And so it's it's a, it's a style to which you you can look at a fight as a dialogue scene, but it's like so kinetic that you know you can have those setups that you mentioned. Like you know you start with the wide master and then you like you know you push in. You do a so you do that. It's the same thing for a fight scene, but it also depends on the fight scene. So you always want to have a master. You always want to have a master. And whether that means you have to do a sequence like all out, just knowing there's going to be certain gags and by gags for, for the listeners, if you don't know what a gag is, it's like a wire pull or somebody smashes into something or someone does like a, a simple gag is like somebody does like a, a flip and falls or like gets thrown. Something that has kind of like a pause or a period in the act. Sounds very easy sitting at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you want you want you want to get a master of if not the whole fight, a specific section. And then you want to like, you know, always usually the best way to shoot a fight is chronological chronological order because you kinda it kinda gets kinda wonky if you like, oh wait, this guy's jacket's supposed to be ripped. Hang on. We got to like, you know, do we have another jacket? No, we don't. Okay, well, we can't film this right now then because we got to rip it and it's not supposed to be ripped in this shot and we're supposed to film that shot like, you know, three shots later. It's like, well, what are we going to do? And then that creates a whole nother problem. But, you know, you want to you wanna film a master and then similar to like the, the punch-ins and the specials, like the close-ups of the actors, you have punch-ins and specials of certain moves and like just the certain moves you want to highlight to certain like, you know, this guy grabs a jacket. And um, what I was referencing, like when I was talking about like the Korean or the um, just this overall Asian cinema, their, their action, they do it so well where it's like, you know, I always reference this movie, Donnie and Flashpoint. They make a simple like wrist wrapping scene so powerful and prominent that they, they it's it's like you know it's a special close-up it's like they're doing all of this action and then all of a sudden it's like that's the wrist and it's like so focused on and like of course you know the sound effects get added on top of it color correction all of that stuff that you know they do in post but it's like wow that wrist grab was so important because then it leads to back out to a wider shot of this guy getting thrown or reversing the wrist grab or whatever. And so, um, but yeah, it's like what I was referencing when I was talking to you about that, which is just like Asian cinema in general, they, the way they shoot things, it's like, all right, they shoot it like a dialogue scene. Like, you know, they have the masters, like, okay, we have this master. And then at times we're going to, we're going to shoot that scene again, but, but now we're just going to focus on this one guy. Or we're going to shoot that scene again, and we're going to really punch the camera in when they throw this punch, if this punch connects and stuff. So that, that's what I was referencing right there. Nice. That's really cool. I've, yeah, I've been chewing on that ever since, man. You know me. I, I'll, I'll take any tidbit and just gnaw on it for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, the, the, thing, the thing I think a lot of people should like actually like truly look at is like, Look at John Wick. Look at look at those movies. Those movies, the entire movie, the entire movie is directed by someone 
who is still, well, he, I don't know if he still doesn't, but um, Kat Sahelski is a, was a stuntman. Huh. Was a stuntman. And he was Keanu Reeves' stunt double in The Matrix. Um, he was also like other, yeah, that's how they, that's how they met. They met on The Matrix. And so it's like, oh, shit. Um, Wow. Yeah. yeah and so they've had this close relationship all the way back then. It speaks, it's a true testament to Keanu to have such respect for these guys to approach them to even like direct the first one and, and just to see how it's, how it's exploded. Because now um, there's David Leach and David Leach and Chad to help you. They, they're the head of 8711. Both of them started as a stuntman. If you want to see both of them in action, watch uh, Jason Statham's The Mechanic. Yeah, so good. Uh, oh my both, gosh, yeah. Both of both of them are in The Mechanic. Chad Stahelski is in the penthouse. Um, I think he gets shot in the head through the wall, and then David Leach fights Jason Statham on a bus and gets tossed out the bus and ran over by a car. And so, like, you get to see both of them in action. But then you, if you like, that's like not even like touching the surface on like all the like amazing stuff that they did. But if you go further, closer to where we are now in the present, you know, they, they started second unit directing all the action scenes in Speed Racer. They, they second unit directed Speed Racer. From Speed Racer, they got Rain, who was one of the um, Asian racers. I can't remember his name in Speed Racer, but he was in Ninja Assassin. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't direct Ninja Assassin. They were still second unit directing and stunt, coordinate, stunt coordinating Ninja Assassin, but that's where they started getting like, hmm, we like this. We like this a lot. <laughs> that's and awesome. So I have so they, much they respect got, for those kind of people. Like with the, the Wachowskis seem to always be looking to give someone else a shot. And I just have a world of respect for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's straight up like we it's, it's that it's that whole thing of like someone who's in a position to say, nah, I'll take I'll, I'll do that. Instead, they're like, you know what? I like your vision. I like your style. Let me help you out. That's and awesome. so it's like, like, like just to look at that whole that whole like just that whole process is like, yo, this is like a beautiful thing. And now you look at them. John Wick one, two, and three. Um, David David Leach just uh, is about to start. Uh, no, just finished directing Hobbs and Shaw, which which oh, looks wow. great. Yeah, it looks Honestly. like a lot of fun. Yeah, and he just got announced that he's directing the live action version of the Division video game for Netflix. And so it's like these guys are like went from like you know like I like to say from stunt grant to like where's my coffee yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> like and so it's like it's really cool to like see that see that um that 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 process and like you know if you pay attention to a lot of things happening now in the industry there are actually a lot of stunt professionals and stunt men and stunt women who are about to start directing things like Chris uh Chris Brewster he was mainly Daredevil stunt double for the Netflix series. He's about to direct a zombie zombie action movie with Wesley Wesley Snipes. And then uh, there's another lady, Shauna. Uh, Shauna, I don't want her last name wrong. Anyway, I know she worked on Supergirl. I know she worked on Supergirl, and she's about to direct the action. She's she's about to direct the action movie. And so it's like, the, and 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 it makes sense to me. It makes sense to get someone who's so well-versed in the stunt work to direct the action movie because they know. 
and they'll they'll really push push it to the forefront where it's just like, look, action and dialogue literally goes hand in hand. You can't like action is basically like you know you look at a silent movie. That's an action movie. That's the way I see it because you're watching these people physically do things and then like they move their mouth and then you got to read the subtitles but then it's like you're watching this person react to what this person just said but you didn't hear anything so it's physical action and reaction and response and all of that stuff and so it's really crazy where the where the industry is is going because you know there used to be that like it's still said but like you know action is the hardest thing to direct it truly is like action and horror those are the two hardest, <laughs> hardest genres to like. Yeah, you know, you're just relying so much on the ability to visually communicate what's happening because you don't get to, exactly. to have these crutches of dialogue that suddenly the characters can just announce how they feel or announce what they want. Mm-hmm. No, with with these yeah. physical things, you have to demonstrate uh, and and to some degree, you know, expect something out of your audience that they can follow along to. So it's a combination. There's a dance going on between a director and the audience of, I believe yeah. I'm giving you just enough without being condescending <laughs> towards you. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. That's the, the, the same thing. You can't treat your audience like they're idiots. Yeah. You it, used, it used to work, it right. used to work, but you know, people started being like, no, I actually like this stuff. So I'm actually going to pay attention. Wait, I see something that's not supposed to be right. And like, you know, you, that's the, you know, you look at action movies who are super criticized, you know, people go back and look at, you know, the martial arts movies of the nineties. You look at that stuff. Now you're going to be, what was this? <laughs> you know, it's like, what's, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. We talk about that all the time on the show, like having respect for your viewers. Uh, yeah. if you, what would you, what would you say to anybody who who watches John Wick and maybe has a bug and thinking, man, I would love to do something like that. Like, what would a, a piece of advice be for you, for them, from you? Want to do something like like film John Wick or do like something like, like he's doing in the movie, like stunts, stunts. Yeah, like what oh, you do. Stunts? Um, I mean, I for for me, I say I always tell people this: find something physical that you love, whether primarily a martial art. And take that martial art, meet the people that you train with, see who's who's in there because you'll never you never know. You might there might be an actor training, there might be a director training, there might be a writer training. Meet like mingle with those people and then just play around because when you're training, and I said this to a friend of mine years ago when we were actually just working on fight choreography, he like and this guy was like his his muscle his actual like martial arts level was surpasses mine and i was like i was training under him i was being trained by him and he just asked me a genuine question of like how how do you make how do you not hit somebody and that's like it's it's a it's a like a super grounded and understood question because you're gonna get hit no matter what you you get bumps and bruises all the time when you're filming stunts and stuff like that but it's like if that person literally like tries to knock your head off, there's a problem. <laughs> so, but when he asked me like, how do you not hit somebody? And like, I had the simplest answer. I was just like, Hey, you know, when we're training those drills that we do, like all the different punching combinations and kicking combinations, he's like, yeah, I go, that's choreography. Keep it as simple as possible because the more you start to overthink it in any situation, the more you start to overthink it, the more muddled it becomes. And so the, the, the simplest, 
is like, you know, take the things that you know, take the things like, okay, when you're training, you're not training to hurt somebody. Like Wes says, like, you know, if he's doing something wrong, he could possibly hurt somebody. So he knows he has, he's got to have this, like, I like to say this part of your brain <laughs> to say, oh, while I'm doing this, it's not going to be good for me to try to turn this foot away that it's not supposed to turn. I know for a fact, if I do this, it's going to hurt this guy. So I'm not going to do it or I'm going to do it enough where he like, you know, he taps or he says, Hey, okay, don't do that anymore. But play around, like go meet with friends. Like I, the way I, I truly learned it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to mess with my big brother. Didn't work out too well. But <laughs> when I started like training with friends and stuff, I was just like, Hey, throw this punch right here. Boom, boom, boom. And then this is going to hit you right here. And this is going to hit you right here and have this reaction. And then you throw this punch at me and I'm going to do this. Like, like, seriously, just like keep it as simple as possible. Do you and, still have your um, notebook? Oh, oh, oh man. I have my notebook. My notebook is like a uh, gremlin. I put water on it after midnight. <laughs> I bet it. I bet it. I have so many notebooks. My wife is so mad. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, what is this? What is the story of this notebook? What? It, what is it? Okay, so I have I have a notebook. I have I have several notebooks, but I know the notebook Wes is talking about. I had this black and white composition notebook that I wrote choreography. Um, I wrote like titles of like fight sequences that I had because like you know you always got to have an outlet and like I'd sell that to people I was like if you have an idea write it down you can't write it down find something that you can just like do some type of recording of it like it was um, just really impressive too because obviously all this stuff is in your head but it's a little bit like seeing Beethoven write his music because how do you visualize how do you transpose a fight sequence onto paper (laughs) yeah no idea. Yeah. And, when this, and, this, and it's funny you say that because, like, you know, um, one, thank you for comparing me to Beethoven. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Only because he doesn't uh, understand hey. it. Like, <laughs> like he, does, he doesn't understand it equally. But the, the, other, the other thing is, like, when, like when Wes, I remember when I showed it to Wes, the first time he was like, he was like I have no idea what this is. I have no idea what this says. Um, but cool. <laughs> and like, but then when, like, you know, I break it down, it's like, oh. I see what it is, but then again, it's just like, what? Like, you know, I even had moments of being like, I'm going to throw this notebook away because this is just chicken scratch to other people. But then I realized this isn't for other people. This is for me. Yeah, um, right. it's, 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 in a way, it's like a diary of like, you know, all these, all these ideas that I had that I still have. And like, I still write in it. And then like, I have different notebooks for different ideas and like you know it's it's really crazy it's it's almost like um what movie was it it's any pick any movie where the lead is like just like manic writing on stuff oh beautiful mind proof yeah anything like that that's me it's like if i have an idea like i'll even on my phone i have a note app it's literally called notepad and i just have so many notes in it and the one thing that i'm super excited about is, is like every every phone that i have because you know i'll have to get new phones because you know that's a whole nother topic anyway um <laughs> but uh every phone i have i always download the same notepad app because it automatically saves and above all every time i start a new note it emails it to me so i i have like these like different like backups 
<laughs> I was like, if something happens, I can go into my email. If something else happens, I can just like go to like someone else's phone and download it and put my email address and my password in it and it'll pop up and still have all of my notes. So like, it's always going to be around. And so, um, but yeah, the notebook is flourishing. It is <laughs> growing. It, is, it has multiplied into different notebooks of different colors and different, different ideas. And so uh, I don't think that'll be a process that, I ever get a, do away with. And then when both of my children are old enough, I will tell them do the same thing with whatever they have ideas for. Because uh, there was a time my son, he, he called me one time and he was saying he had this crazy dream. And like, I was listening to him and like, you know, me being like, again, the creative person, I was just like, you need to write that down immediately. Because that's like, to me, that's an awesome, like kids, kid story or like you know anything like you know look at M. Night Shyamalan you know Lady in the Water it was like a bedtime story that he would read to his kid his kid even got like an executive producer credit it's like okay cool (laughs) yeah yeah but it's like one of those moments of like you know if you have an idea never never scrap it like you know it's like like going back to John Wick okay like if you look at the base of it it's a hitman who's supposed to be the best in the world his dog gets killed and his car gets stolen. Wow, that's a pretty bland story. But what they did with it, look at it now. Like you know, it's like it it beat the it beat the Avengers the third week it came out or second week. But you know, Avengers still is like you know that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, but, that's a whole other behemoth. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole that's a whole other situation. <laughs> That was an amazing conversation. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. How can uh, everyone keep up with you? What's the best place to, to find you and your work in? Um, anywhere, actually. Um, Facebook is kind of boring because that's I just I don't really like post stuff on Facebook. Yeah. I just like and share stuff on <laughs> Facebook mostly. Um, I'm usually really active on Instagram. Um, just look up under like the, people hate me for it, but when your name is Aaron. There's a lot of errands in the world, unfortunately. Um, and so I had to get really basic and creative. Basic and creative, yes, it's an oxymoron, but I had to get basic <laughs> and creative. It's my screen name. It is underscore Aaron underscore D underscore Alexander underscore. Um, and I'm the black guy surrounded by lightning. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes for you, man. What um? And finally, what's your recommendation? Uh, we do a record, you know, usually a movie, but it can be whatever you want. Uh, what are you recommending to our audience this week? To watch? Uh, sure. What's What's your favorite action um, film? Oh man! Oh, don't okay, put me in that. based on the idea of John Wick, based on the idea of John oh, Wick, on- what what would you recommend someone watch after John Wick? Uh, the Man from Nowhere. Ooh, nice. Okay, all right. I like it. Korean action movie. It's amazing. I'll say this: I want to be in the American version if there ever was an American version. But it is one of those movies, just like Old Boy, that should never be touched. Agreed. By Even by Spike Lee, just don't do it. Yeah. Hey, I, I no comment. <laughs> no, man, I no appreciate comment. you taking the time to to hang out with us. And next time you're in town, man, let let us know so that we can bring you in studio and we can get you in and let you pick a movie and we'll we'll dissect it with you. Absolutely, man. And um, not to like 
be like a big tease to you both, but there's some things in the works that I might be coming home for a little bit to hey. work on. Oh, so what's up? You just put I'll a big it, smile I'll, on her face. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we'll film some stuff while you're out here too. Then I, I, I got always got projects. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Fill up my time. <laughs> we'll do, brother. Awesome, <laughs> I love you, man. We're watching you. We love it. Keep it up. Thank you, man. And I'm I'm the creeper watching you guys on Instagram. <laughs> so just know, just know, I know everything. Like I messaged Todd the other day, just being like, "Hey, I saw you in the commercial." Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he, and that's, he was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I thought you were a commercial. Man. That's right. I, I, to, I, told, I came home and I told my wife, hey, they're playing my commercial in L.A. And she didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, good yeah, to know, man. though. Thanks, like, brother. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention, man. I'm keeping you guys. I got to keep it close to the heart, man, no matter how far away you go. And I appreciate you guys uh, thinking of me, highly enough of me to put me on your podcast and stuff. So that's really awesome. Thank you, guys. Hell to the air, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Absolutely. Peace, brother. Bye. Bye. The man. The myth. (laughs) The legend. (laughs) Dude, that was awesome. I mean, he's done so many things. I mean, yeah, we'll put a link to his IMDb and his Instagram so that everyone can see what he's up to, see the projects that he's working on right now. He's got tons in production right now. Yeah, so much going on. And he's just one of the best freaking people like i met him on set doing short films around town when we when i was just an actor i wasn't even you know writing well i was writing but i wasn't directing anything and so we got to know each other through a bunch of different sets and we've since worked on several projects together uh that we got to produce and yeah he's He's just a and and nothing else he's just a good human being you know like he's amazing at what he does which you have to be to do what he does i don't think you can like be a crappy stunt guy <laughs> yeah, yeah right that's not like you gotta you be could, a pretty upbeat <laughs> you could be a shitty actor right you know and that's okay but you can't really be a bad stunt guy not only will you not get work but you'll hurt people and yourself yeah, so there may not be a day two <laughs> yeah no uh he's amazing at at pretty much everything he does he's yeah. just every time you see him you know like there were a couple of times where we would go to same audition i'd see him leaving and or i he'd see me leaving or something and we catch up and the, just the moment you see him you just get this big it's like, warm man yeah smile you know <laughs> he's just such a good guy so so happy you could join us man love it so and he touched on something that i really liked because he he mentioned like the world they kept it simple at the beginning but they continually over the first one the second one the third one they keep building out the world and that's amazing because it takes so much patience to do that. They built this whole thing, but they didn't start revealing it until it was time to reveal it. And that way, I think it's it's important to hint at there's more. And you get a little bit of that in the first one, right? The idea that there's yeah. a consecrated building, that there's no violence. You, you find that out early on. But they don't tell you how far up it goes. Mm-hmm. You just think, oh, okay, well, there's this thing happening in New York, and that's that. Oh, wait, no, there's this thing kind of happening in all over New York. It's not just this one spot. And then in this one, it's like, oh, no, this is happening all over the world. There's a high table and there's an adjudicator and there's a there's not just rules established by Winston, but he's beholden to other people. And they just patiently keep rolling out and building out the world bigger and bigger. So for one, as an audience, you never get bored or feel like you're missing out on anything because you just don't really know how much more there is to it. And it's such a smart, patient thing to do. But I also love it because it's it's like a domino effect. There's consequences. They set up these rules, 
but then we get to break them and show us what happens when these rules get broken. And this goes back to the old gun theory, loaded gun theory. Like you can't just show us a gun, get loaded and cocked back. We need to see it go off. And anytime you set up a rule or a boundary for a character, we kind of want to know what happens when you break that boundary. Especially if it's a boundary that the, the, the hero is going to break. Yeah. You know? Heck yeah. yeah. Because now we really get to see what he's made of. Mm-hmm. Give us more uh, consequences, give us more obstacles that he has to deal with so that we can ultimately see, for one, how tough he is, but two, how smart he is. And then where is his character at? Because that was the hard thing for him to do at the end of the second one, which set up the the third movie, of course, was he couldn't walk away from this guy who did so much uh, irreparable harm to him. So he broke a rule. Which you bring up a good point. The setup for the the third one was fantastic, (sighs) right? You're like, oh, my God, the entire city is going to come after him. I can't, you know, so I'm interested to see when the fourth one, like what, because it wasn't nearly as, as intense, like mm-hmm. as the end of the second one. Oh, sure. You know what I'm saying? The like, walk off. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested to, to see where they go with that. I so. didn't see that coming. That got me really excited about where else is this going to go? Yeah. Yeah. I will say the one thing I didn't really care for. Well, it's kind of split. Halle Berry, um, I'm kind of split on her performance felt a little over the top, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but all her action sequences were great. I love oh the dogs. Oh my gosh, yes. Like she was kicking ass and yeah. those dogs were freaking awesome. And it was like, she was this master uh, craftsman with dogs and guns and hands and knives. Like she could freaking do everything. And it was like a quarterback. Yeah completely executing plays right, right. and taking the team out. Like like she it. had four arms. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. And so definitely kudos on that. But it also makes me wonder about the some of the iconography or the, the symbols and the references that they were making because dogs seem to be a really big thing in this universe. Yeah. And I can't quite pick out where that comes from. It's loyalty probably. Just, yeah. you know, un, like unrelinquishing loyalty, mm-hmm. like complete devotion. That makes so much sense because as an assassin, you're there to do one thing. One thing, yeah. And you're supposed to do it well and you're not supposed to bite the hand that feeds you. Even if you die. That's a great point. Yeah. That really solves that question mark in my head because obviously his dog gets killed and she has dogs. And there's even this uh, reference to kind of looking at Zero as a dog, Mm -hmm. right? It's like she tells the dog, sit good dog but he's in the background and he sits and he stays yeah and it's they're making this very direct comparison yeah yeah and i was like sure. i wonder what this is i mean it made me laugh but at the same time i was like there's something bigger that they're getting at and yeah. i think you totally just solved it for me thank you yeah well and then but john wake himself is not no he's a dog. a dog unleashed yes 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 and that's awesome he has no master none and they, there's also this table reference right under the table the high table mm-hmm. um that's an interesting i mean it's not technically iconography but there's the these symbols uh, and referenced and created, you know, mentally in the world. And there's also a lot of religious referencing that's happening, right? Excommunicado and uh, consecration and deconsecration. And of course, the uh, iconography themselves, like these gold coins, and there's the monastery or whatever that Russian. Yeah, with the training the, center, the cross or the rosary. Yeah. yeah. So there's all these uh, religious paraphernalia and referencing that's happening that. I don't have my head wrapped around at all, but it feels 
genuine. It doesn't feel like hokey and slapped on. It feels like it's inserted into the very foundation of the universe. Definitely. And that way yeah. it, it always feels really like natural and uh, I'm buying in. It doesn't make me want to dip out like, ugh, you're just kind of sampling. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, this is buried in there really well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? No, def- I can't. I can't add anything to Aaron. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, he was amazing, it was man. Fantastic! <laughs> it's everything I wanted it to be. That's badass. Yeah. What's your uh, reco for the week? I'm gonna recommend. I'm gonna go a little off the cuff, but not completely. Interesting. Not completely. There's still a lot of guns in it. I'm, I'm gonna recommend Pulp Fiction. Ooh. One of my uh, seriously one of my favorite films. It's in my top ten. It was just brilliantly edited, brilliantly put together, kept you guessing and thinking of what the fuck was happening <laughs> half the time. Um, but still, you know, like a fun, great story. And the acting is just off the charts, Yeah, off the charts. One of Quentin Tarantino's best. Anyway, yeah, Pulp Fiction. Very cool. I I really wanted to recommend the Raid Redemption, which mm, yeah, the uh, right. the twins are in, yep. um, and I was really close to doing that because it just seemed like the most obvious counterpoint mm-hmm. to uh, John Wick Three or counterpart, I should say. But instead, I was like, "There's another way to look at this movie," which is you have one man trying to undo an entire system. It's a man against a machine, mm-hmm. and in that way, it led me to a documentary. Shockingly. Um, I'm going to recommend Citizen Four. It's a documentary about Edward Snowden and uh, his NSA leaks. And mm-hmm. um, it stars, I mean, really two of my heroes slash three. Uh, it's directed by Laura Portress. Um, and I think she's fantastic. She's done some really amazing documentaries. But my hero specifically is certainly Edward Snowden. I have a great deal of respect for what he did and the reasons why he did it. And Glenn Glenn Greenwald, um, who is the journalist, one of the journalists, there's two of them in there. Um, but he's one of the journalists there who's, you know, covering the story and he's breaking it and he's doing all his due diligence. I've been following him since Salon. So I was really happy whenever he played a very key part of uh, breaking this open and giving us some really valuable information. So yeah, if you haven't seen Citizen Four and you're interested in such things, I highly recommend it. All right. I'll go check it out. So stay tuned next week. It's on HBO, by the way. Um, say stay tuned next week. We're going to be doing Saving Private Ryan. Yes. I was trying to get Todd into Band of Brothers, and I will do I, it. I will one of these days. I will. It's just a it's a it's a haul. It's an investment, but I I guarantee you, you watch one or two episodes, and it's like crack. You got it. Rush right through it. Okay. But we're going to be doing Saving Private Ryan instead. It's, I'm looking forward to that. Me it's too. Like, th- like the like 20th anniversary, 30th anniversary, something like that. Uh, I mean, you mean 75th? Oh, of the movie itself. Of the, of the movie. Right. Yeah. So like 75th anniversary of D-Day. D-Day. Right. And then, yeah, I think 20th like, anniversary of Saving Private something Ryan. Something like that, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they released it on uh, an anniversary An anniversary, well. yeah. yeah. Um, very cool. So yeah. stay tuned next week for that. And certainly take a deep breath before watching it. Yes. And don't forget to subscribe, review us on iTunes, and uh, leave us a note. You know, if you want to request a thing and say, hey, man, I really would like to see you do a documentary since we haven't done one of those or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to hear what you think. And if you want to comment on this episode, uh, you can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash John Wick 3. And our quote of the day is from Bruce Lee. Always be yourself. Express yourself. Have faith in yourself. Do not go out and look for a successful personality and duplicate it. Man, I wish I would have read that 
when I was 15. <laughs> oh, God, yes. You know, yeah. and trying to be Bono. <laughs> Unsuccessfully. Very unsuccessfully. I love that. Yeah, and I love it because I also think that's Keanu Reeves in a nutshell. He's not out to impress anybody. No, he never has been. And that's just the coolest thing in the world is someone who is just dedicated to being whoever they are. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's not, if, even if it doesn't look cool, it becomes cool mm-hmm. de facto. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's nothing more attractive than someone who knows who they are. Yeah. You know, who knows who like knows what they bring to the table that nobody else can and and lets that light shine like for sure uh and it's hard sometimes to to one figure it out but two to hold on to it you know because the world tries to beat it out of you and not not necessarily on purpose it's not like a like people are coming beating down your door saying no don't be you be somebody else it's just like a lot of shake it's thrown at you yeah and we're social creatures yeah for sure and and you know if you see somebody who's um a little bit more successful but hasn't you know done the work you know or that that you know you have or maybe they have but to you you feel like you deserve it too like it may lean on you to to change who you are a little bit to try and make that little extra step but just know that that person and probably millions of others are where they're at because they were themselves you know not always not always some people just aren't and they can fake their fake their way through it but what good is that yeah because then you make it as somebody else and then you gotta like be that somebody Ooh, else that sucks. sounds terrible yeah. that sounds terrible you know yeah good quote man Thanks, um, man. yeah i love bruce lee quotes that guy was brilliant that guy was way ahead of his time yeah anyway so thank you guys so much for joining us we really appreciate it and as wes said make sure to share this and uh and review us and you know drop us a note and everything until next time i'm todd i'm wes go watch the movies